Let's celebrate! There's a Linden on Michigan Avenue with its folded and unfolded blossoms. was Fanfare with Aria by composer Robert Lombardo, and it was actually a commission by WFMT for the 30th anniversary gala. I think it's fantastic that WFMT commissions new pieces like that. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bosted, and I'm extremely fortunate today that my guest is Robert Lombardo here to talk about his music. And for me, it's especially meaningful because he was the first composition teacher that I ever had here in Chicago. So it's really a joy to have you, Bob. Thanks so much for coming down and being on the show today. Thank you. Happy to be here. The text that we heard in that piece is by your wife, Kathleen Lombardo, and it's kind of an interesting story. She wrote it in 1962. It was a piece that was published. You originally wrote it for soprano and piano, and uh, you guys got married shortly thereafter. And I just think it's interesting that when FMT approached you about doing this piece, you, you returned to that poem. Why did you think of the poem in regard to this commission? I think that the fact that it was a fanfare, I thought of doing something completely different. And the idea of... Um, including an aria in the fanfare, I thought was was an interesting idea mm-hmm. and an interesting challenge to make that work with a piece. I set the aria first, I believe, and then I, then I added the music to the uh, faster, more fanfare-like uh, music. Mm-hmm. And um, after I finished it, uh, I put it aside, and then I went back later on and... Uh, decided that it needed uh, a couple of other pieces to go with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it ended up being uh, 
a three-movement work, and um, because of Kathleen's uh, kind of fantastical imagery, I thought the idea of dealing with uh, dream concept uh, came to me. So I decided to call it uh, Three Dream Poems, and then, then I gave it the other title. Um, down the Rapids of Sleep? Yeah, Down the Rapids of Sleep, mm-hmm. yes. And I find it interesting that the poem was written in 62, you know, probably 1981, the fanfare is written for WFMT, yes, and, right. and that's only a portion of the poem, or one of the poems, because, of course, there was a, yes. a time limitation. You could yes, right. write a 20-minute fanfare <laughs> right. for them. Um, and so then, I had more leeway um, mm-hmm. with the other two movements. There were not the... Uh, time constraints absolutely yeah yeah so when you decide to make a concert piece out of it um, and now you can set the entire all three of the poems i don't usually work that way you know to go back and maybe steal for myself in one way you know (laughs) but uh i found more and more though that i that i'm beginning to do that Uh Um, but don't you think it's more like assessing your work and saying there's more to this i can build on this piece i have more to say yes i think so yeah right yeah that's something I talk about with people a lot is knowing when a piece is done <laughs> or when there can be more music, when yeah, there's more to I say. I remember Aaron Copeland telling me that uh, he says, I, what I do is I don't finish a piece, I abandon it. <laughs> that was, I remember that was the word that he used. <laughs> and well, sometimes I, I, I have trouble um, leaving a piece. Mm-hmm. You know? I like to go back. Oftentimes, I found recently that I've been revising pieces shortly after I've written them, mm-hmm. maybe Three months, six months later, I go mm-hmm. back, and and I uh, and I revise sometimes extensively. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just need that bit of time uh, uh, away from it to um, to see exactly what I've done and where mm-hmm. it, uh, where it needs to go. Yeah. I'm afraid of uh, leaving a piece sometimes because I'm terrified to start a new one. <laughs> like, well, I have a new idea. Oh, yeah, I'll, just keep, right. I'll just keep tinkering on yeah, this one yeah. because it yeah, keeps me Yeah, it's from... the tyranny of, of, the, of the blank page. Exactly, yeah. as Stravinsky said, yes. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, your wife is here, so let's have her read the poem, and then we can hear the entire piece, Down the Rapids of Sleep. Great. Come, Morpheus, sing me the gladness that you gather as you dance down the rapids of sleep, riding chestnut water roans, throwing colored lights on the sheep, grazing wild on a slow-moving hill. Fill the dark with a thousand yellow wings. Revise the sky with green enamel and pomp by wrapping yards of golden thread around the tallest buildings. Make bugs of men, hawk moth and caterpillar. See to the wind with a harmonious madness that sweeps me along until I meet an old love that I knew. See him standing by an open door with gray sad eyes and open arms. Ornamental shadows from the chinaberry tree scatter tunes on the grass. Come, Morpheus. Dreams Linden springs from the hallway door behind him, with its folded and unfolded blossoms like wings singing. We begin to climb. Giacomo and Ludwig surround us. Peleus and Lulu slip between branches, threads of madrigals lifting the leaves, waltzes and piano rags in a breathtaking whirl. Garlands of rhythm and blue notes of poetry continuing upwards. Knickknacks spill from the sky. 
You touch the wheat fields here and the coriander bush that grows on the other side of the world. When you sat upon the smoking ruins of the house, we heard you purring like a great cat. Ticks, bees, children, the slumberous sumac, your kingdom is enormous. This morning you brushed against me. I thought something secret would shift into focus. The shadows on the grass, blackberry stains on my apron, the heel of my left shoe worn down. My lover, near the stream, gathering flowers. He picked a marigold. I rushed into the scrapbook. The water is clear, the bottom shimmery with fins, running weed snake root, tufts of red-yellow.
We just heard Down the Rapids of Sleep by Robert Lombardo, who is my guest today on Relevant Tones, and that was Carol Laverde, soprano, in a live performance recorded at the Goodman Theater. Bob, we're moving now to a uh, mandolin solo, and uh, actually when I was studying with you, you were writing a lot of stuff for, for mandolin. There was a new mandolin player in town, um, Dimitris Marinos, and tell us, how did you meet him, and how did you come to write for this instrument? You know, I remember the date, because uh, it really struck me, I mean, the talent of this man. I... He came to Roosevelt to study composition with me. He's from a, an island uh, off of Greece called Zakynthos. And uh, he came for his first lesson, and he had his mandolin case tucked under his arm. So after the lesson, I said, Dimitris, play something for me. And I, I must say, he just blew me away. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was his, his intensity, just the excitement of hearing him play was... Uh, just motivated me, and I a week later I started writing a piece for him, and then I wrote another piece, and then I wrote a duet. Finally, after about two or three years, I wrote a, a concerto. And when you wrote this solo, Sicilian Lullaby and Cadenza, I mean the instrument is very exposed. You don't play the mandolin. You no. need to know a lot about the mandolin. No. Was there any kind of learning curve with with yes, the writing for this yes. instrument? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it was. Uh, I can't say it was a steep learning curve because uh, Demetrius is right there telling me mm-hmm. that this is possible or that's impossible, but I, I'll do it in two or three days. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Which is always an attractive I, thing to hear from a performer. Yeah, that's impossible, it, it, but I'll it do was, it. <laughs> it was it was an incredible experience, and he he still amazes me with his talent. And Marinos taught me some things about this piece. He learned it, of course. Uh, he memorized it in a couple of hours. <laughs> wow. And then, uh, and then we talked about it, and he talked about some subtleties of Tremolandi, you know, mm-hmm. that, uh, that he had worked out. And I was just amazed, something new that I hadn't, uh, mm-hmm. that I hadn't used before. So I said, oh, I'm adding that to my mm-hmm. repertory. <laughs> You know, composers are always uh, restlessly searching for new timbres. So was it yeah. also, was that an element too? not only his virtuosity and his playing and his willingness to do anything, but also the timbre of the instrument? The timbre of the instrument, yeah, and the subtleties between mm-hmm. one plucking of the instrument and plucking and then uh, dampening somewhat mm-hmm. with the strings. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different sound. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's have a listen to this early piece that you wrote for Demetrius. This is Sicilian Lullaby and Cadenza.
heard Sicilian Lullaby and Cadenza by Robert Lombardo, performed by mandolin virtuoso Dimitris Marinos. We're going to move now to another piece that you wrote for an intriguing timbre. We were talking about how composers are drawn to new sounds and new timbres. And in this case, I know a fair number of interesting instruments, but I hadn't heard of this instrument. So tell us about the kugo, how you discovered it, what it is, and why you're drawn to it. Yes, I met a, a musicologist who taught at uh, Hunter College. And he introduced me to his girlfriend, who was um, a kugo player. And first I heard it, of that instrument. And um, it uh, first came to light uh, 2,000 years before Christ. And uh, it was only, uh, I think, in the 6th century that um, there were some illustrations in the, in the Silk Road uh, movement, I guess, and... Uh, it was reconstructed from these illustrations, mm-hmm. and it has been developed, uh, and so it's quite a sophisticated instrument now. It's 23 strings, mm-hmm. quite a beautiful instrument. Let's have a listen. This is Shakugo 1 and 2, and uh, this is from a wonderful disc called Along the Silk Road. Tomoko Sugawara is playing the kugo and Robert Dick the alto flute.
two movements from our three-movement work. We heard Shakugo 1 and 2 from a wonderful disc called Along the Silk Road. That was Tomoko Sugawara on the Kugo, an instrument I'm sure is new to most of our listeners. It was certainly new to me. It's the first time I've heard that, that very beautiful instrument. And the always adventurous composer and flutist Robert Dick on the alto flute. Those were by Robert Lombardo, who is my guest today on the program. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show that features the music of contemporary composers. Today's guest is composer Robert Lombardo. For more information about Relevant Tones, find us on Facebook or on our website, relevanttones.com. Well, as I said at the beginning of the program, I uh, was fortunate enough to study with you. It was uh, towards the end of your tenure at Roosevelt. You were there for about 34 years. When I was studying with you once, you told me uh, we were talking about sort of work ethic and uh, the rigors of composition. You know, yeah. and we know that, that there, there are composers that, that are, are very contrapuntal. There are others that, that just write seemingly mm-hmm. at random. <laughs> uh, but you had a very rigorous approach that you, that you related to me was from your, your father and the, and the way that he went about his work. And can you tell that story again? Yes. My father was a bricklayer, mm-hmm. stonemason. At a certain point, I guess I was, what, maybe 12 or 13, and I used to follow my dad around when he was making fireplaces for the neighbors. And I remember one day he was working on this fireplace, and he stuck his head into the area where where the wood is placed, you know, where the, and, uh, and he was there with his trowel smoothing things out. And I said, Dad, why, why do you bother smoothing everything out he says because I know it's there mm-hmm. that, that stuck with me you know that just that little image stuck mm-hmm. with me even though others can't see it he that's knows right. the yes, work needs right. to be good through yeah. and through and <laughs> so <laughs> I think still to this day you know I said is that an E flat or could that be a mm-hmm. an F and so on and I think <laughs> back to my dad you know <laughs> so in a sense it was really my first experience with with artistic integrity mm-hmm. and uh, it stuck with me yeah well, let's listen to a piece now. This is Espressivo Agitato. And did you write this expressly for your 80th birthday concert? I wrote this concert? expressly for, for Ming Wan Su and uh, Winston Choi. Mm-hmm. Local performers. Uh, they have the duo diorama. They're fantastic. Yes, that's right. Brilliant, mm-hmm. dynamic. Yes. <laughs> Can't I mean, praise them really highly enough because yes, they're, they're unbelievable. Right, yeah. so, so you knew you were a recent piece. I think it mm-hmm. was uh, 2011 Okay, when I wrote that. And, and they premiered it on, this, on my concert. Mm-hmm the 80th birthday concert that was actually held at, at Roosevelt. Yes. Now, you know um, that you're writing for these two performers who can do virtually anything. Does that inform your writing? I mean... Oh, yes. Yes, <laughs> right. It was wonderful to be able to expand my rhythmic language mm-hmm. to uh, that I knew that they could play. Mm-hmm. Well, let's have a listen. This is Winston Choi and Ming Huan Su performing Espressivo Agitato.
Espressivo Agitato by Robert Lombardo, performed by Winston Choi and Ming Huan Su. That's actually a live performance from the 80th birthday concert that was at Roosevelt University. Well, Robert Lombardo is my guest today, and we've been chatting about all manner of things. I wish we had time to feature this entire piece, but it's a big one. This is the mandolin concerto that you wrote, and we're going to listen to however much we have the time for. But this is a, a big piece, obviously a very difficult piece. It features the mandolin virtuoso we've been talking about today, um, Dimitris Marinos. And tell us just a little bit about how, how did you balance him out? The mandolin's not a, not a huge sound. How did you balance it with an orchestra or a large ensemble? Yeah, well, again, it was a challenge, and I, I, I like these challenges and try to make them work out. I had trouble starting this piece, I remember, and um, so I asked Kathleen if she could um, write me a poem, and since I was writing it for Demetrius Marinos, who's Greek, Kathleen decided to find a uh, Greek subject and it was uh, Orpheus and the Minads. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that when 
when I finished the piece, it, it certainly helped me to get the piece going. And when I finished the piece and it was going to be premiered, I said to Kathleen, shall I include the poem? And she said, no. You know, there's no need to do that because the poem was really there to inspire you to get you, mm -hmm. get you going. And because, you know, you, someone reads the piece and say, okay, ah, here it is where the Maenads go after Orpheus and, <laughs> 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 and so on. So we did not include the uh, right because a very pedantic poem, map yeah, to the right. piece or, or something. Yeah, uh, listeners don't well, really to, need that. Well, to go back to your question, you know, how to make the um, mandolin work with the with the string orchestra? Well, a, the piece is quite contrapuntal, mm -hmm. and uh, I try to find ways of it had to do with spacing, I guess. That, that if I had the if I had the strings below the mandolin, the, then the the mandolin would sing, sing mm -hmm. through it. Occasionally, I would bring the mandolin inside the fabric of the of the strings, and that seemed to work well too. And had to deal a lot with dynamics. Mm -hmm. And uh, but again, it was an interesting challenge, and I, I think it worked out well. When you say it seemed to work out well, were you able to hear any of this while you were writing it? I mean, this is no. before software. This is before no, all of that stuff. No, so, no. so you're just you're kind of imagining the sounds, and, just and imagining the sounds, thinking what's yeah. working out and what's not working. And then out. when I you know, when I heard it, you know, the, I was making some corrections, but mm -hmm. essentially of dynamics more than anything mm -hmm. else. Well, this has been such a fascinating conversation, Bob. Thanks so much again for being my guest today and sharing your music with us. You're very welcome. Well, let's have a listen now to as much as we can fit in of the Mandolin Concerto, Orpheus and the Maenads. This is the String Orchestra of the Lyric Opera, Cliff Colnut conducting, and the wonderful mandolin virtuoso, Dimitris Marinos, performing.
Relevant Tones is produced by Jesse McCorders at WFMT. For more information about the program and the artists we featured, you can find us on Facebook or visit our website at relevanttones.com. Relevant Tones is made possible by the generous support of Grosvenor Capital Management, Carol Joins and Abby O'Neill, an anonymous donor, and the listener supporters of WFMT. I'm your host, Seth Bostead, and thank you very much for listening.